0: In 2007, former President Jacob Zuma's attorney, Kemp J. Kemp, told the Durban High Court that his client's defense to 16 charges of fraud, corruption, money laundering, and racketeering was more like Stalingrad, from burning house to burning house. And indeed, it appears the houses are still burning, with yet more delays expected this year. In February, after years of litigation, judgments, and appeals, a warrant of arrest was issued for Zuma when the judge held that a sick note he provided did not satisfy her after he did not appear in court.
1: When Mr. Zuma fell ill in February and had to, to go to Cuba, the learned judge at the time sort of disbelieved the letter from the doctor and issued a warrant of arrest. But to put that matter to bed once and for all, we've tried to get the doctor again, uh, who was disbelieved, whose note was disbelieved to do it again to indicate that Mr. Zuma was indeed in Cuba and he was ill. I'd leave to hand it up, and I hope it puts the matter to bed.
0: The Stalingrad defense is a metaphor for a legal strategy that involves challenging every aspect of a prosecution or case. The intention is simply to delay the day of trial. This week, Zuma made yet another appearance before the KwaZulu-Natal High Court in Pietermaritzburg for a pre-trial hearing. But the matter was again postponed to September. Mr. Zuma, your matters adjourned to the 8th of September. And unfortunately, you are warned to be back here in this court on that date. Thank you. This week, we take a look at Zuma's prominent corruption trial that has dogged his footsteps and dominated the national conversation for 15 years. I'm Kyle Cowan, an investigative journalist at News24, and I'm standing in for our host, Rian Grotter. You're listening to The Story. It's a podcast by News24. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard and uncovered this week. I have on the line with me News24 reporter Kavil Singh, who's been following former President Jacob Zuma's trial in the Peter Maritzburg High Court down in KwaZulu-Natal. Thanks very much for joining us, Kavil. Thanks so much for having me, Kyle. So, Kavil, this case has been coming on for a long time. We've been reading about and writing about, you know, the corruption trial of former President Jacob Zuma, it feels like for a lifetime now. Take us a little bit through what the origins of, of of this case are. Where does it come from and, and, and sort of where are we now?
1: Thanks, Kyle. Um, I mean, well, the history of this case has been part of South African politics and in the minds of South Africans for about a decade and a half now, um, just over 15 years. It all began, the saga all began sort of in the late 90s, around 1999 to 2005 when, Jacob Zuma was deputy president of the country and he was dismissed by, at the time, President Thabo Mbeki after his financial advisor, Shabir Sheikh, was convicted of soliciting a bribe for Zuma. Um, I mean, nonetheless, Zuma still was elected as president of the ANC, defeating Mbeki, the person who actually sort of unseated him from, um, from government. So... um Eventually, Mbeki was recalled, and from that point on, Zuma was on sort of a freight train to the presidency. And on, 6th of, on the 6th of April in 2009, the NPA dropped charges against him, uh, citing political interference. This was, however, successfully challenged by opposition parties. I believe it was around Feb 2018 that the charges were before the NPA for reconsideration. It's a pretty long time. A very, very long time. And obviously, um, you know, for South Africans, it's, it's almost become sort of an everyday thing when you hear Zuma's in court. It's just, it's just become part of our country's history for the last, I would say, um, 15 years.
0: And of course, you've mentioned and you've alluded to the fact that there was quite a lot of litigation surrounding the charges and the reinstatement of those charges. And and we have the the spy tape saga and, you know, sort of those things surrounding this case. But at the moment, where we are now, there's been a couple of postponements, including a rather strange story about a sick note. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, there have been obviously several postponements um, since his charges were brought up. In 2018, leading us to uh, quite quite a long delay now before a full trial has even begun. Before we, we've even gotten to pre-trial stage, um, mostly experts have said that zuma's legal teams have used the stalingrad strategy which is basically where the opposition is fought on anything that's brought up in court whether it's an appeal um very few merits of the case are actually discussed when the strategy is used Um, funnily enough during his last appearance well during his last the last time the matter was in court in feb in the pyramidsburg high court in KwaZulu natal uh zuma failed to appear because of an undisclosed illness i mean obviously at 78 years old now something like that would be expected however details in his sick notes um that was issued by a military doctor came into question from Judge Daya The first thing was an alteration, the first detail was an alteration on the date of January 6th on the document. Um, She said there was no sort of signature to verify that that alteration was was made earnestly and honestly. The second fact was that there's no reference to Zuma's physician's practice number, which is a pretty big deal when you bring a a signal to court. Um, She said while there was a number, it wasn't labeled as a practice number at any point. The only reason that was given on the note was for his illness was a layman's, I quote, a layman's diagnosis with consent from the patient. This was a phrase that his at the time lawyer, Mr. Daniel Muncher, couldn't explain. And Judge Paley asked him this question several times, but he couldn't really come up with any answers for that. Her final note was obviously um, the fact that Zuma's medical condition wasn't described in any detail on the letter. And it merely stated medical condition, which she said, uh, I quote, this tells us very little. That was one of the big Big issues this year with with the delay in his case. His lawyer, uh, Muzi Sekakana, his new lawyer, um, who came in after Mr. Daniel Mancha was... Seemingly fired after the Signal debacle in court, said that uh, Zuma risked his life to come into court. This was on Tuesday, saying that Zuma was at an advanced age. Ironically, on the day you know we're discussing postponements and delays in this case, Zuma's defense team blamed the national prosecuting authority for delays, claiming that Zuma was ready as they've always said and has been seeking his day in court. This, despite the fact that they've They've come with with many sort of small technical delays um, from the time the matter has been brought up again. Senior state advocate Billy Downer told the, the PMB High Court that, you know, COVID-19 had affected the legal fraternity to such an extent that it was difficult to ascertain when the case against Zuma and his co-accused with... Would, uh, would finally make it record for, for a practical sort of full trial. You know, he's been even sort of labelling the first quarter of 2021. But all in all, delays have really hampered the case. But it appears that we are slowly getting to the point now where we will very likely go to trial at the latest in 2021.
0: And that brings us very neatly to the next point because also this week in court, former President Zuma's co-accused, the French arms company Thales, which doesn't only manufacture arms but quite a few other things, they have now indicated that they are going to challenge the racketeering charge against them. And this could also have quite a severe impact in terms of further delays for, for this trial going ahead.
1: Yes, it definitely would. Um, You know, people in court, um, lawyers, were were discussing that that very issue. One of the points that was brought up while we were in court was obviously the issue of international travel. Thales, like you've said, um, is an international French arms company, but there's a lot of other work that they do as well. And with the COVID-19 pandemic, this means that overseas witnesses key to testifying in this um, international arms deal case can't attend court physically. However, interestingly enough, um, after the matter concluded on Tuesday, I spoke to the executive director of the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution, uh, Lawson Naidu, and he had a very different opinion of what could happen. He says that courts... Could get creative to circumvent the pandemic his suggestion was using a video link in a way that would satisfy the courts to have witnesses there of course this is something that would have to be decided by the upper, most senior officials in in the court system in kwaZulu-natal and in south africa so in terms of the racketeering charge from tellers i don't know if i'm prematurely speaking about this but we don't know too much about that at this point in time what we can say is that they are within their rights at this stage of the case with uh, everything hasn't really been finalized yet that's what sort of pre trial will when we get to that that stage which we are fast approaching where all sort of documents and appeals and reviews and everything is, uh, is finalized before we get to that point talis is within their rights to challenge any charges Um, So on Tuesday, representing um, the French arms company, advocate Barry Roux said that before these charges are finalized, they would challenge one of the main charges against them, which is the racketeering charges. He unfortunately didn't reveal too much in court. What he did say was that that it would deal with a specific part of the indictment when it comes to racketeering and whether this was competently instituted. What this tells us is, is that they will more than likely unpack almost every aspect of that charge and um, zoom in on it in the most intense way. So this
0: would definitely, almost definitely see a delay in the trial. Yet more delays and, and, and now, We are waiting for the 8th of September where the next pre-trial appearance is scheduled and we are hoping that this can sort of be finalized, you know, and issues surrounding the the charge sheet and, and what charges should be included can be finalized before then, although that seems unlikely. But what do we expect from here? Between now and September, are we expecting any major developments? I mean, going forward, we have to hope, as you've said, that all
1: matters, including reviews, applications, documents and many other housekeeping issues are dealt with. How COVID-19 will play a part in that is yet to be seen. We've already seen the matter come up in court and we've already seen um, Zuma's defense team saying that he's at an advanced age Um, even going as far as saying that he took a risk at even attending court this past Tuesday. So it appears that even if we don't go to trial in 2020, the beginning of the case could be imminent and of course delay tactics are possible, but it appears that we are are coming to the end of, of all sort of delay tactics and at the latest, in 2021, we could be going to full trial for this case. But of course, you can never say with um, former president Jacob Zuma, he is one of the, the most crafty politicians strategists I think anyone has seen, and he's, he's often been the most dangerous when he's backed
0: into a corner. Thank you, Kavil. 11 years later, many now doubt that 78-year-old Zuma's trial will ever go ahead. In May, prosecutors found evidence of more payments made to him, which has necessitated an update to an old forensic report used to charge him. Will he ever have his day in court, as he has long claimed to be looking forward to? Only time will tell. Thank you for joining me. I'm Kyle Cowan, and this episode of The Story was produced by Shantae Schatz.